Welcome to the A Jesus Church podcast. We're a family seeking to become like Jesus, empowered by His presence to partner in God's creative work of restoring the world. We pray this episode encourages and equips you along the journey. We're all in process, becoming something. Like a potter throwing clay or an artist mixing color, our lives are being formed. Different backgrounds and experiences blemished and cracked. Each day, an opportunity to move into or out of all that God has purposed. So the question isn't if we are becoming, but rather who are we becoming? And in this family, we want to go on the journey of becoming like Jesus. Hey friends, welcome to AJC. We are so glad to have you here and to worship with you today. Today is going to be an amazing day. Uh, We're gonna be definitely jumping into the scriptures. So if you need a Bible, go ahead and throw your hand up. There are men and women around the room who'd love to get a Bible into your hands. If you do not have one, you can keep this one as a gift from us. Hey, I get the pleasure of welcoming up on stage a really dear friend of mine um, who was a part of our staff team for a number of years. You might recognize him. You snuck, yeah, that's right. I don't even know if we had, did we have this option when you were no, the, yeah, no, behind the back? Like you gotta use the new round. Yeah, it's kind of slick. You know what's crazy is that um, in about, about 20 years ago, has it been that long, babe? That's crazy. 20 years ago or so, we moved to Glasgow uh, to join one of our good friends, dear friends, Brian and Kelly Ingram, to go plant a church. And that church kind of like took root and then years went on. And eventually they found this incredible Irishman to go be their kids pastor. Uh, And then we stole him for a few seasons, which was pretty amazing. Uh, And then Jesus called them back to go and pastor a church, the same church, actually an extension of it on the South side. And so we love this couple. Jamie is around here somewhere floating out there, all of her friends. Uh, but we love and appreciate them. And you guys, I can't think of somebody better to preach on the topic that, that Crooksy's gonna be preaching on today. So I wanna pray for him and then he's gonna jump in. Father, I just thank you so much for my brother. And right now, I, Lord, I just lift him up to you. Father, would you fill his spirit with your spirit? Uh, would he just know and feel your res- that kind of resonance inside of you as he's teaching? Would you be directing him? Lord, would his mind be clear? Would his heart be full? And Lord, would you give him the words that you want us to hear today? We love them so much. We just pray so much blessing and favor over them. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen, thanks, Mia. You guys, love you too. Um, It is so good to be back. So good. Uh, what a morning it's been so far. People keep asking like how it's felt to be back here. And it's kind of like if you take a jacket that you haven't worn since last winter and put it on and it just fits just right. And then you put your hand in the pocket, there's $20 in there. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like that. Love that, it's so good to be back. Jimmy and I are delighted to be here. If we haven't got a chance to meet yet, my name is Crooksy. Um, it's a dumb name, but it's the one I've got. And I'm one of the lead pastors at Regarding Hope Church in Glasgow. We call it Rehope. 
for short. And I've been leading Rehope's location in the south side of Glasgow since January. Jamie and I have been doing that together, and we've loved it. But before that, we had the great honor of being the kids' pastors here at Westside Kids, now at Jesus Kids. Love that. Um, it's beautiful to be back, seeing so many familiar faces, meeting new people, meeting people that we met in Glasgow. Evan, so nice to see you, mate. So good to see you. Um, and yo, a chance to like, join in with what God is doing here again in your series, Becoming Like Jesus. I can't wait. And this, this series has been rolling for a few weeks. Wesson kicked us off in thinking, us. Us, do you know what I mean? Us. <laughs> Weston kicked us off in talking about how we're all becoming something and we're all becoming someone. And for us, it's Jesus. That's who we want to become. And then Tim took over and spent the last couple of weeks thinking about like different aspects of who Jesus is and how we can become that thing, starting with identity and then with devotion. And this week, it's my great joy and pleasure to be talking about how we can become like Jesus in relation to his love. Have you ever had a request from a boss or a professor or a teacher at school, and they give you an assignment to do, but the instructions aren't very clear, so you don't know if you're doing the right thing or not. You don't even know if you're on the right track, and you could get to the end and think, and then they're like, no, that wasn't it. That has happened to me before, and that's very annoying. And I am not here to be annoying, although I am very good at it. And God is not here to be annoying. So since we want to become like Jesus in relation to his love, it makes sense to me that we would start straight off the bat by thinking about what God's love is like and how Jesus expresses that. So let's do it, my dudes. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The Bible begins with those words. And when he was done, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. But you only need to read just a few short chapters later to read that the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. It was awful. It wasn't the end of the story, but it was awful. Psalm 130 paints a picture of the state of humanity, saying, out of the depths, I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand but with you there is forgiveness. And there is, there is forgiveness because although humanity had taken on the role of acting like and functioning like God's enemies, that is not the way that he treats us. Psalm 103 has a lot to say about this since the Lord is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger abounding in love. And he will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love of the Lord for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, 
so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Yo, that is incredible. He shows his love, but how? How did he do that? How did he show his love? John 3, 16 and 17 tell us exactly how he did it, declaring God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that anyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. And he'd stop at nothing to do it. He made himself nothing, Philippians 2, by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Being made in human likeness. So we can get it so we can relate. Colossians 1 puts it like this. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So when we wanna figure out what it looks like for humans to do like God-level love, we look to Jesus who did it best, who did it perfectly, which I suppose is fair enough for Jesus because he was God and all that, but like what about for us? Surely God wouldn't leave us to do these high standards on our own, right? Of course not, of course not. Second Corinthians makes that clear, saying whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. My dudes, God loved you first and we should love him back. And when we receive his love and love him back, we are changed and transformed for the better so that our attitudes and actions accurately reflect our creator and savior, Jesus. He loves us, we love him back, we're changed, we become like Jesus. And I suppose I could just end there, but I'm not going to because I want you to hear this and I want you to hear it and I want you to hear it and I want you to hear it. God loves you. He really does. There is hope for you and there is hope for your future. Did you hear him say he could just end there? (laughs) Hasn't even mentioned today's passage thinks he's gonna get a quiet day off. No, okay, good point. Let's talk about today's passage. (laughs) But good news, at this point, we have taken like a full data sample of, well, not full data sample, but a really good one for what God's love looks like so that we can know what the assignment is, so that we can know what we want to become like. But like, wait, hang on, that was a lot of stuff. Are we really expected to do all that? And I mean, all what? Like we've had a reminder of what God's love is like, but let's do a little analyzing of that data so we can get to the essence of what God's love is really like. I mean, Genesis six, God cares about us. He's troubled when things are awful for us. And he's troubled when things are awful because of us. He cares, he has a caring love. 
Psalm 130, I want Psalm 103. God sees us in our despair. He listens, he forgives beyond a shadow of a doubt and he doesn't hold a grudge. John 3, 16, Philippians 2, Jesus gives himself for people who act like his enemies. He has an endless love for all. In 2 Corinthians, Jesus' love impacts and defines those who come in contact with it. I mean, maybe not immediately, but steadily over time for sure. I love that. This love of Jesus, this caring, patient, forgiving, endless, impactful, everyone else prioritizing love, that's what we are going for. But wait, that's a lot of stuff. Are we really expected to do all of that? Let's find out. Today's passage, we're gonna read in Luke chapter six and we're gonna be focusing in on verses 27 through 36. Um, You've got Bibles. I think the words are also going to be up on the screen as I read. And we're gonna start in verse 27 and these are Jesus' words. He says, but to you who are listening, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Okay, so far, raw biblical data. And then we've analyzed it to see what it's like in essence. And then Jesus breaks this down to give some examples of how we can do that. And he starts with the big picture and then breaks it down into some smaller tasks so we can see what it looks like to show Jesus' style love to others. And they are smaller tasks, but to say that these tasks are still challenging is a giant understatement because of this. And I don't know if this is true for you, but it's something that I've noticed in my life that the people who I find it hard to love, the people who are my enemies, all jerks, every last one of them. And obviously the reason why I find it hard to love them is nothing to do with me. It's because they're the worst. Lol. Actually, there's nothing about me that would give me confidence that I would be able to do this challenging thing on my own. I know what I'm like. I know that there is nothing about me that would make me feel confident that I could love people who don't like me or don't love me or who hate me or who are my enemies to love them well, I'm not gonna be able to do that. I'm not gonna be able to just decide to do that and flick a switch and be like, okay, I woke up today and I'm going to love people who aren't kind to me. I'm just not able to do that. I mean, not from a standing start for sure. And that's why the progression of this series has been so important. We do wanna become like Jesus. That's our goal. So it makes sense that as children of God, then our identity is in him. So it makes sense that we would display some family traits and we need to be devoted to this or else it's just not going to happen. It's just like simply not going to happen. 
But out of our identity in Christ and our devotion to him, our love, this Jesus style love, it can flow. And there are definite steps that we need to take before we are going to be able to do something that is this challenging. Something like loving people who don't love us. So let's talk about how we can do that real quick. Let me tell you about how we do that um, at our church in Glasgow. I really hope there's something that we repeat every week and actually you've heard it from me already today and that's that God loves you. I don't mind saying it again. He really does. And there is hope for you and hope for your future. And then we go on to talk about how, since God loved us first, how we should respond to that. And we should respond to that by loving him back. And we follow Jesus' guidance that the most important thing that we can do for God is to love him back. And we repeat the words found in Deuteronomy chapter six as loudly and as boldly as we can to declare that for us, it's Yahweh and Yahweh alone. We declare here, O Israel, the Lord is our God the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. When Jesus guides people to respond to God in that way, he also goes on to explain that we need to love our enemies as we love ourselves, And that if we do these two things, loving God back and loving our neighbors, we are going to do all of the good things all at once. In other words, if you get these things right, you get it right. So my dudes, Get the right things right. Actually, no, 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 wait, hang on. Get the right things great. Get them great. We do wanna love our neighbors as ourselves. And we know who our neighbor is. Our neighbor includes those unexpected, ideologically opposed to us people. Luke chapter, uh, chapter 10 makes that perfectly clear. And we want to do that for sure, but there is a clear order of operations. We prioritize receiving God's love first and loving him back. And in that way, we build up our capacity to love so that we have reserves of something to pour out of so that we can love people who are harder to love. We get the right things great. So how do we do that? How we do that at Rehope is that Rehope Church exists to lay the foundations for a long lasting reawakening in Glasgow. And that's not some aspirational dream that maybe might happen someday. That's what we do when we come into work in the morning. That's what we do like no matter where we work, at church or not, when we wake up as Jesus followers from Rehope, we exist to lay the foundations for a long lasting reawakening in Glasgow. And we see a clear difference between revival and reawakening. Revival is that big scale movement where person after person after person gives their life to Jesus. And those things aren't uncommon and they do usually burn really bright and then fade. Reawakening is different. It's subtler, but no less dramatic. And it starts on a personal level. Reawakening starts at home. It starts in your heart, but it spreads and it impacts the people around us. As the fire in your heart grows from embers to blaze, or from blaze to blaze, it impacts the people 
around us. So my dudes, get the right things great. Go after a reawakened heart. Kick that devotion into the next gear and go for it. Because reawakening starts at home. And ultimately, your heart is your responsibility. No one is gonna reawaken your heart for you if you choose not to partner with God. Your heart is your responsibility and there is a self-leadership aspect to this. And I'm aware that I sound like I'm contradicting myself because reawakening spreads, so there's gotta be other people, but it's like an individual's responsibility to do it. Mm, sounds contradictory, so let me explain with an example from my own life. Rehope and a Jesus church do pre-gathering prayer so, so similarly. And when I started kids pastoring at Rehope in 2012, I committed to pre-gathering prayer. And that was the place where my heart was reawakened to God through prayer. And I decided that I was going to stand close to Ruth, who was my boss at the time, and Brian, our senior pastor, because I wanted to hear the kinds of prayers that they would pray. And I wanted to hear their tone and I wanted to observe their body language. I wanted to take it all in, and I wanted it to impact me, and it did. It did. The, their reawakened hearts spread from them to me. So that's the community aspect of it, but I made the choice to go and stand by them week on week, month by month, actually it was year after year, and it worked. And my dudes, I cannot possibly recommend pre-gathering prayer enough if you would love to see your heart reawakened to the wonder and the love of God in your life, in this church and beyond, this works. And it can work for you. And if you would like a recommendation of who you could stand around here to catch your heart on fire off, um, off the top of my head, I could recommend Becca Stutter, and I could recommend Pat, uh, sorry, Pam Cresswell. Yo, um, they, if you don't know who they are, ask somebody and they'll put you in their direction. And just stand, listen, take it in, see how they pray and catch fire off them. When I came to this church and we did pre-service prayer, they used to stand over there and I would be like, <laughs> 11 out of 10 recommend standing near those women as they pray. Catch fire off them. You can do this, it's so good. It'll work for you. 8 a.m. every Sunday. Commit. Devote yourself. So you can get the right things, great. Devote yourself to spending time with your father in prayer. Alongside your siblings, of course, of course. And what I saw in my life was a change from someone who rarely prayed. I mean, especially not on my own. To someone who, who prayed regularly, like daily routine rhythm prayed, but also in those like moments, like spontaneous moments of knowing I need to pray right now. I started praying. I say this as an, as an example of God's love transforming me, that transforming love, because there was a time in my life when I was so apathetic to prayer, but amazing grace, how sweet the sound, who changed a meh, like me, I was just meh. And now I'm not, and it's not because of me. It, this works, yo, this works, and it can work for you. God's love is class, and it transforms people, and it transformed me, and it can transform you. Meet him in it. That's a little personal story. 
Um, just to illustrate what we're talking about, today reawakening starts at home, but it spreads, and it spreads through a church. Moving into this past summer, our location in the south side of Glasgow at Rehope needed a little refreshment of reawakening, and that came from recommitting to Jesus' time, to personal time with Jesus. And our community groups work like a Bible book club. We spend some time during the week on our own reading a section of the Bible, maybe like a whole book, or if it's a big one, maybe half, or if it's like some like minor prophet, like epistle, like cutie boys, maybe like a bunch of them. And then we meet up once a week and we talk about what God has been showing us through his word. So again, there's that self-leadership. I read on my own during the week, and there's the reawakening spreading, like as we talk about and demonstrate our love for God through his word and catch fire off each other, reawakening works, but it wasn't working so good for us because we had kind of just lost our mission on it a little bit. Big bit. Big, big bit. But since the summer, after praying hard and with a great deal of calling our church to devote themselves to the word and like seeking God for how we can lead people into that and a great deal of wonderful GME strategy brain which God has blessed her with, we saw something happen, I guess. And maybe you don't notice it straight away at the start. I mean, that happens sometimes. I didn't really notice week on week on week my heart reawakening to prayer. And I didn't really notice like week on week our Bible groups kind of coming back to life. But then you stop for a minute and you're like, hang on, data. I'm not much of a numbers guy. I don't really care for that. I kind of care more about the quality of the interactions with God rather than the quantity of the interactions with God. But sometimes a little bit of data helps. So at our church on any given Sunday, there might be about 80 people who meet. I mean, if everybody came all at the same time, it would be more than that, but this is the world we live in just now. 80, I'll take it. Maybe about 15 of those dudes are our kids because we have 33-year-olds and 23-year-olds and three-year-olds. Sorry, we have 33-year-olds, 23-year-olds and three-year-olds. And a lot of our kids are emerging readers. So their days of reading the Bible cover to cover in a year will come but 80 minus 15, we're looking at about 65 adult readers at our church. And when you look at our little thing where we keep track so we can help support Bible Read Through leaders, we have 60 people committed to reading the Bible cover to cover in a year. And I don't really care so much for numbers, but I like them ratios. I love that. It's so good. And we didn't even really see it happening or like coming back to life until I'm prepping this sermon. And I'm like, wait, hang on a minute. Yo, this is a big deal, a really big deal. God is transforming our community. And it starts with some people with hearts set on fire and it spreads. As you see someone's love for God's word, as they talk about it and they come to life, as they talk about it, you're like, yo, I wanna read that thing. I need some of that for me. God's love transforms individuals, churches, it's good, my dudes, get the right things great. Devote yourself to Jesus' time. Some of this is self-led. You need to do your bit and you need a community of people around you to support you. 
Because I didn't notice it happening like from one week to the next, but it happened. And sometimes when change is happening like slowly and incrementally, and you don't see it, you think it's not happening at all, and you give up. But remember, this type of transforming love change happens kind of slowly, but incrementally so that it sticks, so that it embeds, so that it lasts. And individuals need to be self-led and devote themselves, but they also need community support. And when that happens, when you get the right things great, this works. You will be changed. Your life will be defined and filled by the wonderful love of Jesus so that you've got a reserve of love for the people in your life that you find it harder to love. This can work for you, for sure. Because loving the people that you find it easy to love, that just isn't enough. Get what Jesus has to say next. This is verse 32. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them and lend without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Now notice how Jesus brings that identity piece back into this. Here's how the sinners act, and here's how the children of the Most High act. Well, how do sinners act? They love, they do good, they look after their own, they lend where there is need. Hang on a minute, I thought they were all jerks. Sounds like they're kind of nice people. And the thing that makes us different is that they love people who are like them, who agree with them, who affirm their lifestyle. And if we find ourselves in this moment only agreeing and loving people who agree with us and affirm our lifestyle and our beliefs, if we only find it easy to love other followers of Jesus or other people who support our political stance or whatever it is, if we love those types of people, that is Jesus' very definition of a sinner. We are doing nothing better than the rest of the world around us if we only love people who are like us. The thing that makes us different is that children of the Most High love everyone. We love the people who love us. Of course we do. And we love the people who hate us. We love the people who bless us and we love the people who curse us. We love the people who do us good and we love the people who mistreat us. And we love the people who don't slap us in the face and we love the people who slap us in the face. Now I'm a level with you right here. Hot take coming up. I don't particularly like being slapped in the face. 
Maybe that's not much of a hot take. I imagine you might not like being slapped in the face either. And I imagine that Jesus probably doesn't like being slapped in the face much either. But I don't think he likes hate. And I don't think he likes theft. I don't think he likes curses. I don't think he likes mistreatment. I don't think he likes any of that. There are things that happen to us and there will be things that happen to you that are just straight up wrong. Straight evil will happen to you. And maybe depending on your life circumstances, you are more plainly aware of that than others. When those things happen, what Jesus is looking for from us is that we respond in the way that he did with self-sacrificial love. Okay, when I got to this point in my notes this morning, something came on my heart and I thought, yo, I don't even know how to deal with this. And then um, Tim spoke to me midway and was like, clarify this. So I'm going to, but I feel like I'm not wonderfully qualified to talk about this. But if you are in an abusive relationship, that is not a good place to be. Jesus is not saying that you should stay in that and be treated like a punching bag. God has better for you. God loves you and he wants you to be free from the threats and the violence. Please, if that is you, hear me clearly. Do not turn the other cheek. Get out of there. Get out of there. I wish I didn't have to say that. God and domestic violence on this earth. Now look, there's something that, I mean, isn't unique to this corner of the world, but is definitely expressed like pretty strongly in these United States. And that's that we have this thing where we equate agreement and love. And then also we equate disagreement and hate. So that sometimes we can feel and we can act like disagreeing with me is not loving me. You should accept me. And taken to its extreme, disagreeing with me is hating me and I am going to hate you back for it. And I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Like that seems to be the way that the world is working at the minute. So it kind of makes sense that it would seep in to the way that we work as well. And unchecked, you could see it continuing as it's unchecked in the world. But we need to think, that's happening, but what are we gonna do? What are children of the Most High going to do? How can we still disagree with things that are evil? Some things that you disagree with are not evil. Some things that you disagree with are evil. That evaluation skill is very important. But how can we disagree with things that are evil? Like Jesus' examples are hate and cursing and violence and theft. How can we stand against those things and disagree with them in love? Well, we fight back. Obviously we fight back. We're not gonna let those types of evil slide. Jesus isn't endorsing these things and saying more slapping, please. I love the slapping. That's not what he's about. 
But we cannot possibly attempt to fight evil with retaliation in kind. If somebody hates you to hate them back, you cannot possibly fight evil with evil. That's just gonna compound the problem. That's not the way, that's the way it kinda is working, but that's not the way that it should work for us. We do need to fight back, but we need to fight evil with good. And this is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, someone stole your coat. Stealing is wrong. Someone stole your coat, give them your shirt. Someone's stolen from you. Don't let that slide. Fight back by being generous. Someone has acted violently towards you, hit you. Don't let it slide. Fight back with peace. Someone has mistreated you. Don't be okay with it. Fight back by praying for them. Someone has cursed you, yo, that is disgusting. Fight back by blessing them. If someone hates you, fight back by doing them good. Hey, is someone your enemy? That's not okay. Fight back by loving them, even though they don't deserve it. Because our Father is kind and merciful to the ungrateful and wicked. And we are his children and we want to display those family traits. And it'll feel like you've got the lousy end of the deal, for real. But when it feels like that, remember Jesus' words, the promise of a great reward is for you, a great reward for you if you do it. Now we've seen what God's love is like. We started off with thinking how we need to receive God's love and love him back and pursue reawakened hearts so that we have a deep foundation in his love so that we can do hard things like loving people who don't love us. I've said this already, but I want to mention it again. When our hearts are reawakened and we grow to become more like Jesus, it tends to happen slowly and incrementally so that it embeds and so that it lasts but that makes it harder to notice in real time. And if you don't notice the progress, then you feel like you wanna give up and we don't want to give up. But thankfully, we have a really great list of descriptors for God's love that we can look to to see if we can spot any of that stuff in our lives so that we can see the progress. This is what love is like. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, and it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrong. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This scripture is way more than some kind of like aspirational, romantic-y, wedding-y thing. And we're gonna use it a lot differently today. Like sometimes when you're at a wedding and you hear it, it's just kind of like cute, like, oh, wouldn't that be nice if hypothetical? Or maybe actually people are so blinded by like the romance of the moment that they can actually naively think that they are doing this consistently. We are growing to become more like Jesus. We are gonna be better or worse at this from one day to the next. But as long as we're trending up, that's good. That's progress. If we think about this as some hypothetical or as some like, I don't know, like rosy romantic thing, that's not gonna be very helpful for us. But if we use this differently and use it as a diagnostic tool 
so that we can self-evaluate how we're doing in different areas. Very useful, very forming. So we're thinking things like, how is my patience doing this week? How is my patience with Susan from my office who steals my ideas and passes them off as her own? Am I being patient with her on a scale of one to 10? Where am I at? How's my honoring people doing at the minute? How am I doing it not complaining about my kids after a long day of being stuck in the house in the rain? And I'm not calling your kids your enemies, but I'm just saying that sometimes, <laughs> uh, we're laughing, but yo, who gets the best of you and who gets the worst of you? Your family. Sometimes the people we love the most can be the hardest people to love. Not your enemies, but on any given day, your family will get the best of you or they'll get the worst of you. And this applies, and it hits different when we're not just applying it in like some kind of like romantic hypothetical to our most cherished loved ones. When we apply this to our enemies, this is cutting a clear lens into our heart. But it'll also help us to see when we're doing well, and Susan used to really drive, I couldn't be in the same room as her, we just worked on that project together and I, I don't feel it in my heart that I was getting annoyed with her. That's good. We can see progress, we can get encouragement, we can also get redirected back and a little bit of redirection and focus. That's good, that's good. But this is a lifetime progress and maybe next month Susan is gonna be the worst and you're gonna to need to pick yourself up and go again. But going again, that's important. The last thing that love is, it perseveres. My dudes, you'll see sometimes when the progress goes zoom. And you'll see sometimes whenever, I don't know, like progress at all. Love perseveres, don't give up. God is making you more like his son. You are his child, he is doing that. Because God's love is amazing. It's amazing and it's transforming through it. He transforms us. We will become like Jesus. And we can do that by loving God first. We can do it by pursuing reawakened hearts and by getting the right things great. We can do it by fighting evil with good. And we can do it by keeping a close eye on our growth as we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus with ever increasing glory. At Jesus Church, I bless you in the name of Jesus to be filled with his love today. I bless you to show in your attitudes and actions whose child you are today. I bless you to have a keen eye and a sensitive heart to where you're going wrong and where you're going right so you can follow and you can stay on the path. I bless you with that today. And I bless you with ever increasing glory as you stare at the Father with an unveiled face today. May it be, amen. My dudes, I've got a couple of challenges for you, some really easy ones. Get the right things, great. Make pre-gathering prayer part of your weekly rhythm. Do it from now until the new year. Don't try it for a month and expect to see like a completely changed heart, although that can happen. Give it until the new year and see how you feel, how your connection with God is, how much you're loving him, all that fun stuff. 
Get the right things great. Prioritize your Jesus time every day and incorporate a community element to it. If you're not in a community group here at Jesus Church, 11 out of 10 recommend you're not going to be able to do this on your own, although it's not all on them. Part of this is your responsibility. Join a community group, get together with people, talk about what God is doing in your life, talk about the Bible, grow in love for him. And the last one, evaluate. Take some time um, this week, do it every day, and read down the list of, of those things in Corinthians that define what love is like. And as you get to each thing, ask yourself how you've been doing on that. I find it helpful to rate myself out of 10 on these sorts of things, like one being like, I'm not very patient at all, and 10 being I'm the most patient person who's ever been, you're probably gonna be somewhere in the middle. Bearing in mind though, that there are two types of people in this world. Some people go a little bit easier on themselves, so adjust appropriately. Some people are more likely to be a little bit self-critical, adjust appropriately. See where you need to grow, see where you have been growing, thank God for the growth, and ask him to help you to reawaken your heart in partnership with him. Ask him to fill your heart with his love. Right, I'm gonna pray for us real quick and then we're gonna move into a time of response. God, we love you. We love you back. You're incredible. Your love is incredible. You're not a distant God, you're right here with us, giving us everything that we need. We love you, we love you so much. Help us to love you more. Help us to love you more. You completely deserve it. There's nobody like you. Nibdi even comes close. Thanks for listening. For more resources and to partner with us through giving, visit us at ajesuschurch.org.